0: Institute of World Mission podcast. You're listening to the show for Adventist Cross-Cultural Mission Enthusiasts. My name is Alex Ott, and together with the IWM team, we invite you to join us today. This podcast is a production of the Institute of World Mission brought to you with support of the General Conference Missions family of ministries and services. Hello there, friends. Here's another Wednesday, almost passing by but we can't let it go by without a podcast episode, can we? This week, in fact, we're together as Institute of World Mission team. We felt it would be very important for us to set aside a couple of days for some time of prayer, as well as brainstorming and planning together. The last two days were especially rich in that regard. Well, now... Coming closer to our interview today, I'm very excited to be able to speak with Homer Trikartin. At this time, Homer serves as Director of Global Mission Centers. Prior to that, he has served in different parts of the world and has been intricately involved with development of mission thinking and practice of our church. Well, Let us meet Homer and dive deeper together into the world of global mission centers. Homer, welcome to the Institute of World Mission podcast.
1: Good morning, Alex. It's good to be with you.
0: All right, so um, before we actually go into our topic that we've chosen for today, would you please share with us, with uh, our listeners, the global community of Adventist missionaries, a bit more about your background and your current ministry? What is this that you do?
1: Well, Alex, Barbara and I have had the privilege of living and working in a number of different countries. Uh, Most recently, we lived in Lebanon with you and worked throughout the Middle East and North Africa. Now I'm coordinating the six global mission centers for the general conference.
0: All right. Uh, well, you mentioned Lebanon, and of course, I cannot but uh, affirm the truth that you played a huge role in placing, you and a number of others, but you definitely um, did, um, in, in placing a call for Amy and I to, uh, to go uh, into our first major uh, mission assignment, which we are forever grateful Yes. All right. Um, So, Homer, we wanted to discuss a bit um, the work of the Global Mission Centers. Could you describe a little bit what they are?
1: Yeah, Alex. uh, These centers are run by the General Conference Office of Global Mission, And if somebody wants more information about them, they can go to our website, globalmissioncenters.org. That's all one word, globalmissioncenters.org. And there it gives them links to each of the six different centers. There's the Center for East Asian Religions, Center for South Asian Religions, the Center for Secular and Postmodern Studies, the Global Center for Adventist-Muslim Relations, the Global Mission Urban Center, and the World Jewish Adventist Friendship Center. Six of them.
0: So um, then I guess a very logical question that I would have in my mind. What's their purpose? Um, You know, our world church have set them up, um, set aside budgets. What's the history behind them? Why have we started these ministries?
1: That's a good question, Alex. The Seventh-day Adventist Church has grown rapidly and spread all around the world. Today, we have more than 21 million members living in most of the countries of the world, but most of those 21 million members have come from a Christian background. And so we don't know much about the other people that live around us, the people of the other world religions, the people with no religion at all. So the church set up these centers to help build bridges of understanding and friendship. Uh, The centers help us understand the beliefs and cultures of other world religions. They help to equip Adventists to interact with them in social and business settings. We believe that an informed Adventist better represents God when they understand and respect the beliefs and cultures of the others around them. So the Global Center for Adventist Muslim Relations helps us to better understand the Muslims around us, how to better to relate to them. The World Jewish Adventist Friendship Center would be helping us to better understand the Jews and how we can be friends and relate with them. The Center for East Asian Religions is focused on Buddhists and Shinto and Confucian people groups and how, how we can live next to them and relate to them uh, differently than, than we would if we just didn't know them at all. Uh, the Center for South Asian Religions is focused on Hindu and Sikh and Jain. The Center for Secular and Postmodern Studies, Uh, secularism is growing in the world rapidly and post-Christian, people that consider themselves to have no religion at all, and yet an interest in spirituality. And then the Global Mission Urban Center focuses, kind of covers all of those groups, but people that are living in cities where more than half of the world's population lives today. So that's the focus of those six centers.
0: Thank you. Now, um, would you please describe the journey that the global mission uh, centers have traveled so far, have gone through so far? How many years are they in in existence and um, where have we arrived today? What have we achieved with those?
1: Well, back in 1990, the Office of Global Mission was established at the General Conference Session in 1990. There had been preliminary meetings and work for a couple of years. And one of the mandates for the Global Mission, Office of Global Mission was to start centers to help us understand people from these massive world religions that weren't like us, that we didn't really know anything about. At first, they called them study centers. That was probably a good title at first. But it gave the impression that they were just doing research and study. And they're really doing way more than research and study. So a few years ago, the names begin to change to be just centers in most of them instead of study centers. Uh, At the beginning, there was very little money available still is, but there, but there was even less. And so at first they were run usually by someone that had another full-time job. They might be a pastor, they might be an administrator. And then in addition to that, they were trying to run this center and do research and and help to tell people about these particular people groups. But today all, but one of them have a full-time director and several of them have an assistant, um, And yet, even with that increased staffing, they're not able to keep up with all the requests for training, the requests for books and other resources that need to be produced. Uh, All of them are coaching projects around the world that that are helping Adventists to relate to people around them. Uh, They're advising division officers. They're mentoring future leaders in, in those different people groups. And right now, one of the big projects that they're taking on is they're helping to write the fourth quarter Sabbath school adult Bible study guide for 2023, which will be on mission. So that's a major assignment that they're taking on right now.
0: Oh, this is fantastic to hear. I'm just sorry uh, that the Sabbath School Quarterly is going to come what in four years. I'd wished we had it already available this year.
1: Yes, it always those those get done way in advance to allow for translating and printing in all the languages around the world. So that, because it, it's it's a massively distributed book each quarter.
0: Now, I understand. Now, would you uh, share just a little bit more about this particular Sabbath school quarterly? Um, uh, what it's going to be about? What is the whole thing going to
1: be? It will be very much Bible-focused, uh, focused on stories, because just like Jesus told stories, that's what resonates in the hearts of people around the world today. it uh, will focus on Bible stories and how those relate to the work God has given us to do, how they relate to mission, how they can impact our lives. And there will be a progressively increasing challenge each week that are given to the members that are studying in their various, various Sabbath school classes. It will start out quite simple and easy. And each week it will get a little bit more and more Commitment required, if they're going to involve themselves in it, um, to really get them involved with the neighbors around them, the people who are not like them, to get to know them, to get to understand their culture. And I, I think it'll be a lot of fun, but it'll be something that we all grow through as well.
0: Now, Homer, how often do we have a Sabbath school quarterly that is specifically about mission missions? Cross-cultural mission, is that something very new that we haven't had or is it something that repeats from time to time?
1: Um, I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was probably four or five years ago we had one that Gary Krause wrote um, on mission. And so it it has come and then it's involved in various ones that come, but this one will be specifically focused on on mission and on the global mission centers. There'll be a focus on a different center each week and and what they can offer uh, that ties in with that week's lesson.
0: Very excited. I just wish that we would have uh, more of those maybe every two or three years or something, because this is such a vital topic. And of course, our listeners, they, they would, uh, I, I believe, agree being part of a cross-cultural Um, Adventist mission workforce out there. Now, let me ask you another question. So in terms of global mission centers, uh, how can a cross-cultural Adventist missionary benefit from the center's
1: work? There's uh, before I get to that, Alex, and I'll come to how in just a minute, but let me let me share just a little bit of some of the issues that we face when we're trying to deal with somebody that's not like us. Okay, because, you know, we're all human. We're, We're people we love, we fear, we feel happiness, pain, sadness. But because of our different cultures, we grow up with what's sometimes called a worldview, but we grow up thinking that things are a certain way, and we don't even realize that somebody else might be thinking a different way. So we might be sharing the same language, but totally talking past each other because, we, because we're really not thinking the same way. And, and let me give you just three little examples of that. They're, they're, they're little, and yet they can be a huge issue. In, in a number of cultures, in fact, including some of the cultures that you and I lived and worked in, um, when someone makes eye contact with somebody from the opposite sex, especially a man making eye contact with a woman, it means that he's asking for sex. In their mind, making eye contact means that. It's and yet, in, in some of our cultures, that's not what it means at all. It means that we're showing care and concern and interest. And so, many of us, when we have a new neighbor, we try to make eye contact with them because we want them to know that that we really care about them. We don't want to just be looking away. And yet if I run up to my new neighbor who comes from one of these cultures and I start talking and I'm making eye contact with him and I'm making eye contact with her, they both go away thinking, we know what kind of guy this is. He's making passes at my wife right in front of me. And they think that I'm an evil person. They want to keep their kids away from me. They don't want anything to do with me when that's not what I meant at all. And yet, if, if I knew that, then I would try to be friendly, but I would try to look at him and not look in her eyes so that I don't make her and him feel uncomfortable. It's just a simple thing, but it can make a huge difference in the, in the way we relate to the families around us. And the center's are constantly studying and researching and experimenting and finding out those kinds of things that sometimes the cultures don't even realize themselves. Another one in, in many countries around the world, the left hand is dirty because it's what's used to clean yourself after you've gone to the bathroom. And, and if you really want to offend someone, then you point to them or you reach out and touch them with your left hand. Now they might, you might see them doing it to somebody themselves, but if it, if they do it, they are, they are doing it in the same way someone in our culture will make an obscene gesture. They're doing it to show how much they hate and dislike that person. So when we come up to them and without thinking, we reach out with our left hand and pat them on the shoulder, or we hand them a gift with our left hand, they think, he's insulting me. He's, he's trying to show me that he's better than I am. And immediately we've built a barrier over just a simple little thing. If I know that, then I'll probably practice using my right hand and keeping my left hand in my pocket so that I don't offend my new neighbor right off to start with. Now, of course, love covers a multitude of evils and if if I love them, they will sense that okay, maybe he didn't really mean what it seems like he meant by doing that, and and we can get through it. But as much as possible, I want to do what will not offend them. Uh, Another very common cultural feeling Mm -hmm. is that you're not a friend until you've eaten together. You might talk together at work every day, but if you've not eaten together, they don't consider you a friend and don't trust you. They might call you by name. You might laugh. If I know that, then I'm going to try to think of a way to eat together at work or I'm going to try to think of a way to invite them out to a restaurant with me or over to my house for a birthday party. Something so that a friendship can begin to develop. You know, we make mistakes in, in all of that, but the more we can know, the more they see us trying to, to know the better relationship we can have and so one of the roles of the centers is to help us do and say and and not do and say what will what will make for lasting meaningful friendships and relationships with people around us.
0: Especially in those um, cultures where certain world religions are uh, very strong I understand.
1: Yeah, I would say in those cultures, in those countries, but also in other countries when you have somebody from those cultures coming as an immigrant or a refugee who moves in next to you and you're trying to befriend them, but you may be unknowingly building walls. So the Global Mission Centers website, Mm globalmissioncenters.org, has a lot of information that can help.
0: So now, um, thank, thank you for kind of helping um, me us, uh, as, as listeners to uh, go a little bit closer to this idea of benefiting from the center's work um, is the primary way I hear from you is to, is to try to visit those websites because that would be the entryway of, of, of
1: getting in contact. <laughs> That would, that's right. That would be the first step, the entryway. If they go to globalmissioncenters.org, they can, they can read a lot there. There's actually a little button that says members log in. And if they, if they want to click on that, it will ask them to register and it will take a a few days or weeks of time to, to vet them and get them registered. And then there are additional resources that might be available to them. Uh, But there's lots of information on the, On the website about the culture, about the beliefs, about the way to make friends, you can contact us through the through those websites and ask the question. Um, And again, there are many resources that are available through those websites.
0: Now, Homer, um, a lot of our listeners are in some kind of institutional roles in the Seventh Adventist Church, whether administrators or uh, department directors and so forth. Um, and um, most of them, of course, um, know a lot about global mission centers. But if you could comment just a little bit, how can Adventist organizations? and or institutions partner with the global mission centers, apart from how we as individuals would do that, that would be very helpful to at least some of our listeners. Yes.
1: Well, Alex, a lot of the divisions are inviting different center directors to come and meet with them when they're having major strategic planning times as they're looking at how 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 to interrelate with the various people groups in their division territory. And so that's, that's one thing an institution can send us a request and say that they would like someone to come and, and meet and work with them. Our teams are small, uh, one or two people, and so it's hard to get everywhere, but they are doing that. They're also available to help with training from time to time. They will go to a workers' meeting or a camp meeting and and talk with the leaders and do a training for how to relate to a specific people group. Uh, We produce a monthly electronic newsletter that's designed specifically for church leaders. It's not available on the website. It's just for church leaders, and if somebody wanted that, they would have to contact us, and we would have to verify that they are really a church leader, and then we would include them in that electronic newsletter. Um, Gives lots of information there. And again, even with just general simple questions, they can contact us through that website, globalmissioncenters.org, and we'll be glad to do all we can to help them. We are adding some honorary associates who are people that have experience in particular people groups. And we're adding a few of those different places. That means we don't pay them. They keep their regular jobs, but we do provide some travel budget. So if there's a need, we might be able to send one of them to help. We're, we're trying to expand our, our network of available people who can come to do training and visioning and answer questions and help.
0: Omar, thank you very much. I'm uh, looking forward to um, going much deeper with you in in, uh, the future in um, whatever formats that will be appropriate um, to deliver more value for our listeners, for um, the global community of Adventist missionaries in terms of Um, the wealth of resource and information that uh, global mission centers have built up over the years. So we will be brainstorming more opportunities in this regard.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you, Alex. It's been good to be with you. As a global community
0: of cross-cultural workers, we've got help available. I hope this episode made that very clear. If you work in any of the major world religious settings, or in a big city, or in a highly secularized environment, or maybe your life and ministry is on an intersection of several of these, let's try to utilize the expertise and the findings of the global mission centers to the maximum. By the way, I have a question for you, now just a little bit on a different note. Have you been able to listen to the last week's episode? The interview with Wesley Zhamko aired last week is actually a beginning of a three-part series that we made fully available as a small course in advance of actually airing the second and the third episode. This series we dubbed as Witnessing That You Will Actually Love Doing. Now, if you haven't had a chance to see this course, this three-part series, you can find it at iwm.adventist.org forward slash witness. Just remember, you need to be logged in to see this page. If you don't yet have a membership with IWM, simply go to iwm.adventist.org forward slash register. Once you do that, if you need to, and are logged in, you will be able to access our featured theme pages as well as a number of other things. Well, most importantly, as we finish up this episode, we always deeply appreciate your personal recommendations. We count on you. Dear listeners, take this and other episodes of the IWM podcast to the right people at the right time to hear them. My name is Alex Ott, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next week.